Matthew chapter 6, verse number 31, and it reads as follows. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Let's start off with a word of prayer before we go on on today's uh, verses. Dear God, thank you for gathering us in your house or at home to hear this word of God. Lord, we thank you that there are people that are caring about the word of God, wanting the word of God in their heart. Um, that this word of God may be made manifest to them through all the troubled times in the world they're living in, that you'll be triumphant as usual through it all. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember the last time I spoke, we were doing a series, you know, once upon a time, a long time ago, one month ago. The series is called Managing Life. Right? And we were talking about all these little details, right? About how complicated life is, going to work, taking the kids to school, right? All these uh, competing ideas and balance and all these things like that. And of course, we talked about last time about how do we make the priorities in our life, right? Like, we're going to prioritize this thing over that thing, over this thing, over that thing. And that's the struggle of our lives, in fact. And we talked about how God gave us the answer to that in the story of Mary and Martha. And he made it quite clear that the priority number one should be God, right? And that's still the answer no matter what's going on, right? That, of course, we care most first and foremost about God, his word, following his word, listening to his word, of course. But I realized that a lot of that other stuff doesn't seem to me as much meaning nowadays, right? It's not about the struggle of, uh, oh, getting the kids to school. There's no school, right? There's no struggle of, oh, I'm going to fight the commute. You don't commute anymore, right? So we're taking a little break from that study to talk about, you know, where we are today, right? Where we are today and how does this fit in? You know, this is managing our new life now. The new life of March 2020, the coronavirus life, right? So what happened? What happened? Well, since the last message, coronavirus basically taking over everything, right? You turn on the news, what do you hear about? It's the coronavirus, right? You go home, you talk to your husband and wife, or you're at home all day long, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about the virus. Oh, don't go out, you might get the virus, right? I mean, it's a real thing because of the fact of how dangerous it is, right? It's a danger that's impacting and potentially threatening the lives of millions of people all over the world, right? And, um, you know, it's, you know, it is a danger that everyone faces because no one knows who has it, right? It could be anywhere. And as we know from the statistics, a lot of people have it, right? There's people all over the world, over 600,000 reported cases, over 30,000 reported deaths, and surely more to come in the future, in the coming weeks, in the coming months. I mean, who knows, right? There's some people out there that think, oh, this is all a, a hoax, right? You know, some people say, oh, it's a hoax, right? That, oh, it's the media created. I mean, there's people that I know that have told me this. They said, oh, this is just the media making a big deal out of this, right? That we don't have to be scared. We should just live our life and whatever. No, 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 that's not true, right? People think that's true because they think that's what they want to believe, right? They want to fool themselves into thinking, this is not serious. This is something that I don't have to worry about, right? Can't I live my life? I don't want to be disrupted. And you can tell it's serious because there's almost universal agreement, you know, from people that usually do not agree, right? You see, oh, Republican and Democrat, well, they agree. We got to do something about this, right? Doesn't matter where they are, right? We need to shut down the schools. We need to practice social distancing. We have to do all these things, right? It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, 
China. Oh, China's our enemy or whatever. Oh, no, China's scared about it. We're going to be scared about it here in the United States, right? It's not a hoax. It's not a fake, fake thing. It's a real thing that people worry about and worry about because there's no way to contain it. That's the scariest thing, I think, that's causing people fear, anxiety, right? Because there's no cure. There's no vaccine. I mean, the good news is, as uh, Nathan pointed out, last time he spoke, right, is that most people, what, 99% of people get it, will recover, right? And that's a good, right? Unfortunately, if 1% of the people don't recover, you can think about the United States, right? If you say, what's 1% of the United States population? That's like 3 million people. A lot of people, right? People care about it. That's why. That's why people don't just say, oh, this is the same thing as the flu. People die from the flu every year. No one cares, right? People care because, hey, when you say it's going to be 1%, that's a lot of people, right? You can say that, oh, that's not a lot. Sounds really low, right? 1%, even less than 1%. Let's say even it was less than 1%. Oh, it's just a couple hundred thousand people right? What's the big deal? Well, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's such a much a big deal that we've changed our whole way of living, changed our whole lives upside down, right? Change our whole way of living upside down. So, you know, it used to be, like we said, there you go to school, you go to work, and that's your everyday life, right? But now, school totally changed, right? Your school's at home. It's remote. Teacher's not the teacher anymore. I'm the teacher. Elaine's the teacher, right? We're going to do homeschooling now, right? Everyone is doing homeschooling. Before, it's like, oh, homeschooling, that's weird. People don't do that now. Everyone does that, right? You know? Same thing with work. Like, now everyone is on telecommute, or as Melbourne noted, it's even worse. Some people have no job, right? Laid off, no money, right? Even everyday life has changed, right? You see someone, now normally you go say hi, you shake hands. Now it's like, oh, please do not shake my hand. Please remain six feet away at all times, right? I mean, some people are saying like maybe, maybe that will end totally, right? That people will never shake hands anymore, right? Because people will be scared forever and they're not going to shake hands and they'll get used to it, right? And that will be the new societal norm, right? And you see it. You see it. You know, I was telling... Uh, you know, just about you go shopping, right? You see the difference in the norms in shopping. I've seen it evolve from the beginning. You go buy groceries. In the beginning, people are all like uh, fighting and crowding to get there, whatever. Now, I went to Costco just like a day or two ago, and now everyone is staying like more than six feet apart, right? There's a line going to Costco. Oh, no, I want to stay 10 feet away from you. I want to stay eight feet away from you. And then like, oh, if someone's going to get the food, like it's actually pretty actually pretty dead in Costco, you know, there's not many people inside, they don't allow that many people inside at a time, and when people get the food, they're all like, oh, I'll wait for you, you go first, you touch the food, and then I will come after you to grab it, right? It's really strange, it's completely flipped everything upside down, and of course, our worship has changed, our worship has changed, right? Normally, we've heard Melvin say this for 40 years, right? Hey, you know what, if you're sick, you come to church, Melvin proudly proclaims, oh, I have never been so sick, I've, I could not come to church, right? And what a total flip now, right? The total flip now is, even if you are not sick, do not come to church. We do not want you to come to church and infecting everyone and making everyone sick and making me that I die or whatever, right? I prefer all of you guys stay home and watch it online, right? At least in the near term, obviously, we hope that 
It doesn't stay like this forever. As Melvin pointed out in the first half, that is not our goal, right? God wants us to fellowship, see each other, love each other, you know, and all those things. But we know that in reality sometimes, well, right now, when it's literally a life and death situation, possibly for some people, because even though we might not die from it, people like me, I still go like deliver groceries to my parents who are like in the in the critical age group, right? Maybe some of you guys do the same thing. I take care of your parents and they're in the critical age group. Melvin was telling me how he's taking care of his like 90-year-old parents, right? We don't want to be the uh, transmission people for all those things at this point in time. So yes, it's weird, right? For the first time you hear churches saying, oh, guess what? We actually don't want you to show up for once in the near term, right? Now, some churches have taken this to be offensive to them, right? And say like, oh, no, you hear about the news, right? These churches having meetings of like 1,200 people because we, we don't care, right? We believe Jesus will hear, heal us of everything, right? And to me, that just seems kind of foolish, right? This is not a situation where the government is shutting you down and telling you, oh, like, like communist China, oh, you're shut down and you cannot reopen and we bar you. And he said, oh, this is temporary. Temporary during a safety measure. You can reopen whenever, when, when the time comes, right? If it was the other thing where they said, oh, you're closed forever. Yes, I would fully support, hey, you come here. We will protest the government and we'll be here in full force and uh, violate whatever the government says. You can't shut us down, right? But when they say, oh, it's public health, short term, you know, let's not be stupid here, right? Let's protect each other's health and stay home until, you know, which point when the, the shelter in place is lifted and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I mean, that's the situation. What do Christians do in the face of all this, all this trouble, all this strife? I think the first thing we get from this verse here, from Matthew 6.31, that Christians should not worry. And Melvin touched about this already. You know, I know he's going to touch on all these things, but of course, it doesn't hurt to echo some of these things, right? What does it say in Matthew 6.31? It says, we should take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Whither shall we be clothed? Right? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, explained that you know, all the animals, they never worry about where am I getting my food from, where my clothes from, right? And all these kind of things. How should we, being God's children, worry about the same when we have our Heavenly Father watching over us? The answer is we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should trust in our God, our God that created the whole universe to provide for us, to care for us. It's as simple as that. We shouldn't have to panic. We shouldn't have to fear. We shouldn't have to say, oh, I'm going to go to Costco right now and buy up every single roll of toilet paper there is, right? Shouldn't have to go there and say, I'm stockpiling canned foods until the end of whatever. I didn't do that, right? Some people ask me, like, Norm, are you scared? Like, no, I'm not scared. I'm not scared because I have my God, right? I'm, not, I'm confident that I will not starve no matter what. Even if I did not go to Costco and buy the, you know, the 100 packs of food or whatever or the 100 bottled waters or whatever people are buying there. I know God's there for me. He's caring for me. And look what happened. I waited a couple weeks, and then I went to the same Costco. All the crowds were gone because all the panic buyers had bought everything already. And then I bought everything I needed, right? There was no issue. People need to stay calm. People not need to not panic. People need to know that we have our God, right? People need to know that, yeah, people out there are getting sick. People out there are getting suffering, are suffering. But we need to have faith in our God, to care for us, to protect us. Now, of course, it's very natural to ask this question, right? 
I thought about this question. You probably thought the question. You say, why is this happening? God, why are you letting this happen? Why don't you do something about it? Because after all, God is control of the whole universe. God, why do all these bad things happen to all these uh, good people? People say that all the time, right? Well, the short answer is that maybe there are no good people. We're all sinners, right? So bad things naturally happen to us. In fact, that's what the Bible says. In Isaiah 8.22, it says this. I should pull up the verse for the people following along on on home, right? The verse is this, Isaiah 8.22. Look unto the earth, part of it says this, look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish. Right? What are the characteristics of the earth? How does God in the Bible describe it? It's full of trouble, darkness, anguish. That's our life here, right? John 16.33 says what? says, in the world ye shall have tribulation, right? It shouldn't be a surprise that there are things like coronavirus on earth or wars or famines or other diseases and all these things. The Bible says there's going to be these things. Earth is the flawed place. It's the flawed place. But we know, and you know, I think it's kind of appropriate that Melman was, uh, is starting his Sunday school in the book of Job. Maybe that'll help illuminate a lot of the stuff about calamities and God's role in all this and the reasoning and all that kind of stuff like that. And that'll be great to hear it over the next weeks and months. But the short version, and if you give me my abridged short version, is that if calamities happen in life, it's all part of God's plan. See, God does have some plan and some idea. But the problem is we can't comprehend it. You got to remember this. God is the creator of the universe, organizer of everything. He can think not just one step ahead of us, but he thinks like a million steps ahead of us. He knows all the implications and all the thoughts of every choice he makes in terms of action, in terms of inaction, when he allows something to happen, when he doesn't allow something to happen. It's just like Melvin was saying about Job, right? He had some purpose in that story of, oh, Satan, I'm allowing you to do this, right? Surely there is some purpose in saying, right now, we're going to have coronavirus on earth. What is it? I don't know. Even if God tried to tell me, I bet I could not comprehend it. We probably will not know until we get to heaven. And he explained it to us there, right? (coughs) Because his mind is infinite and ours aren't. We only see the short term. We only see what's in front of us. We see what's in front of us. Oh, boy. You know, 30,000 people died of this disease. It does not make sense to me. How does that make sense? I, I can't grasp it. It's so horrible. People are suffering. People have to hide at home all day long. Our lives are all messed up. God, I don't get it. <coughs> what we have to get is that all things are done according to his will. It says in Ephesians 1.11 that God worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And of course, famously in Romans 8.28 says what? And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God didn't tell us the why, right? He didn't say, oh, all things work together for good. Let me explain to you how good it is. <coughs> Let me tell you about how wonderful it is and all this stuff. No, he's asking us to trust in him and in his infinite knowledge. When his knowledge is infinite, of course, it's going to be the right answer, even though to us, stupid human beings that can't see infinitely, that can't see the future, that can't see everything, 
doesn't make sense. But it makes sense to God, and that's all that matters. And it's all part of our faith. Our faith. And that brings us to the last point, and maybe the important point, right? What can we learn through all these troubles? What do we learn from this situation? The coronavirus, shelter in place at home, no work, no school, right? People feeling sad. Oh, I missed my graduation, right? I missed my senior prom. I missed whatever it is, my vacation to uh, Disneyland or whatever, right? What is it for us that matters? What matters is a few things, a few things, I think. And I'll point out these last few things in our remaining time here. Number one, God gives us things like troubles, like the coronavirus. First of all, to test our faith, right? It's easy to say, God, I'm faithful when everything is going right in our lives, right? When life is easy and, you know, going well, right? You can say, oh, yeah. Of course, I'm serving God. I'm loving God and all this, right? No problem. You know, I kind of felt like that in my life before all this went down. If you asked me like a month and a half ago, life's going good. I hit a good, uh, a good uh, pattern, right? Kids are doing okay in school and taking care of. All their programs are lined up. We both are working, doing good at our jobs, right? Not that stressed. Everything's moving along. Um, planning for trips and vacations and all this other stuff. We go to, you know, living our normal happy life, right? That's just, believe it or not, just like a month and a half ago, right? And now, oh, everything's flipped, turned upside down. And at home, you know, we all cooped up in there in the four of us. Oh, a lot more stress now, a lot more disputes, right? Oh, kids, I don't want to listen to you. You're not my teacher, right? Even in husband and wife, right? Saying, oh, you know, who's going to wash the dishes? I'll cook dinner. I'm stressed. I need to work today. No, I need to work today, right? Who's going to watch the kids if we're both working, right? All these things, right? All of a sudden, there's disputes. There's discomfort. There's trouble. And there's a call back to say, oh, you know, God, I need your faith now, right? This is a time when I'm about to lose it. Before, I'm happy all the time, right? Things are going easy, great, no problem. Now there's a problem. God, I need you. God, help this family stick together. God, oh, before I need to worry about my parents, they're healthy and all this stuff. They do whatever they want. They take care of my kids every day, right? Now I have to go pray for them. Make sure, oh, make sure they don't get the virus. Make sure they don't get sick, right? Now my faith is tested. Can I trust in God through all this time, through all this worry, through all this anxiety? Yes. I feel that. I feel like, hey, now I'm praying more, right? Because maybe I'm worried. Oh, just make sure this virus goes away, right? And all stuff. Thinking more about God, working more for God, doing all these things. You know, I put all this time there, setting up the live streams and all these other things, right? You know, the test isn't really for God because God already knows the answer. He knows if we're going to pass or fail the test, but it helps reveal to us what our faith level is like and to say, boy, I need God more now, right? To say, hey, I thought I was good. Like, hey, you know, I thought I'm doing pretty good. I'm a faithful guy or whatever. Now I realize, no, 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 I need a lot more faith. And that goes to the second point, that things like viruses and calamities teach us this, that we need to humble ourselves. God uses to humble ourselves, right? People get proud and, and complacent and thinking, yeah, you know, I'm faithful. I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Isn't that good enough, right? And, of course, the answer is no, no, no. We need more faith. We need more faith. And only when we're down at our low do we realize that we need more faith, just like I described, right? We don't think about that when we're high, right? When things are easy, we don't think, oh, I need to be more faithful, right? It's when we're in trouble. When someone in our family 
get sick. Now, I haven't heard anyone's family, someone get sick yet from this disease, but you can imagine that. If you heard that, how would your faith be tested? Well, how would you feel? You would say, I need more now. I need stronger prayer. I need better prayer, right? Maybe there's people in the world right now because of this virus that are humbling themselves and realizing that I need to throw myself down on my knees, turn to God, and have faith in him. You know, the other thing, God might be using all this trouble, these viruses, to wean us from worldly things. You know, like I said, just a month and a half ago, there's people all over the world worried about all these things that now we seem frivolous, right? People worry about who's going to win the basketball game, right? Who's going to, oh, where am I going to go to Disneyland, right? People worried about these things. Now, one month later, that's totally the furthest thing from their mind, right? No one cares who's going to win the basketball game. They just worry that people stay safe, right? No one cares about vacation to Hawaii or wherever. Oh, I just want to stay inside my house and shelter in place. How about this? And maybe this is one of the reasons. I don't, I don't want to speculate, right? But maybe. Think about this. Have you seen the pictures of Las Vegas during this shutdown, right? What does it look like? Looks like a ghost town. Not a single car in any parking lot, every light off. Could it be that God wanted us to say, hey, I don't want you to do worldly things like gambling and prostitution and all these things in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, now you are shut down. Your economy is gone. Not a single person will be there. I, I don't speak for God. We can't comprehend it. But it does make some sense to me that, hey, there's all these worldly things that we're focusing on. Oh, we're going to Las Vegas. We're going to gamble. Guess what? No one is thinking about gambling anymore. No one is worried about how much can I bet on this game or play poker or blackjack or whatever. No one cares. No one is there anymore. The parking lot is empty. The lights are off. God once sometimes puts these troubles in our life to get us back to the core of what's important. When we see the struggle, when we see the strife, we say, you know what? What's really important? What's important is me, my God. What's important is me, my family, right? What's important is me, my brothers and sisters in Christ. All the other stuff, superfluous, right? No one cares if you can go out and buy the newest iPhone anymore, right? You don't even want to go to the store, right? No one cares that, oh, I'm going to get this brand new car and show it off to everyone. No, you can't even drive your car anymore, right? The streets are dead. There's no one driving, right? Maybe the lesson of coronavirus is that we want to wean ourselves off all these worldly things and worldly thoughts that we have. I can just look at my own life. I'm not thinking about, oh, what movie I'm going to go watch in the movie theater or what other thing I'm going to go out and do. I'm just focused on taking care of my family right now, right? Pretty simple. We're worried about coming here once a week and taking care of this thing. That's about it, right? Finally, last point, maybe, why God has all these troubles and stuff is uh, that maybe God uses troubles to call people to him. Now, I don't know statistics, and there probably are no statistics, but I've heard anecdotally that this has been a time where people have taken the effort to share the gospel with others, especially people like older parents, right, that are worried and scared. Parents that don't have Jesus in their heart, they do live in fear, right? They don't know. I'm seven years old, 75 years old. If I walk out, am I going to die because I catch this disease, right? When they have that uncertainty, I've heard about other people, other Christians telling me, yeah, this is the time I took to share the gospel with them, right? That to calm their anxiety, to tell them that there's a God out there that cares for them, that loves them, that tells them you don't need to be scared, you don't need to have fear. And hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Like I said, I don't have the statistics, all this is anecdotal, but maybe out there somewhere 
You know, God's glorified in that sense, that people are called to him, called to hear his message. So, I mean, that's, those are my thoughts about, you know, how do Christians deal with coronavirus and all the troubles going on in the world. And I'll wrap it up with the last quote here in the conclusion from Woodrow Kroll. He says, don't let your trials blow you down. Let them lift you up, right? It should be uplifting. We should be becoming more faithful, more humble, less worldly, and more spreading of the gospel because of, you know, troubles, tribulations, whatever it is, more and more our priority should continue to align with God's. All right, let's end off with the word of prayer. That's all I got to say here. Dear God, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a weird time. I feel it's weird. I feel it's trials and struggles caused by all these viruses, and I'm sure all the people listening here could say the same thing. But we know there's a point to it, something that we probably don't even understand that you'll explain to us when we get to heaven, right? But Lord, as we uh, try to get through all these things, May we stay faithful. May you strengthen our faith. May you continue to call us toward you and call other people toward you, God. You know, I'm asking that as everyone is staying home and staying safe, that you keep us safe, that you keep us free of diseases and all that, and that you continue to show your love and that hopefully one day soon we'll be able to gather once again in this room with all brothers and sisters, and worship and glorify and honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.